Welcome to Upfront, the podcast. I'm Katie Hannan. I'll be chatting to a wide variety of people on here, well-known figures, people who can give us an inside track on the story of the week, or someone who has their own story to tell. As an added extra, we'll also try to get a little bit more from our guests. Each week, we'll bring along a list of 20 upfront questions, put them into a random order and ask our guests to pick a number so they don't know which questions are coming up and neither do I. Now to this week's podcast. PSNI Detective Chief Inspector John Caldwell has been fighting for his life in hospital since he was shot in front of his young son in Oma County Tyrone last week. On Sunday night, a typed message appeared on a wall in the Craigan in Derry claiming responsibility for the attempted murder and signed T. O'Neill, a name used by the new IRA dissident group in the past. Obviously, the investigation into this attack is still underway, so there are still many outstanding questions about what and who was behind it. But one way or another, it has put the new IRA and dissident activity in general in Northern Ireland back into the headlines. So I'm delighted to say our podcast guest this week is Dr. Aaron Edwards, a writer, historian and academic who lectures in defence and international affairs at the Royal Military Academy in Sandhurst. Uh, Aaron, we might just get straight to the most basic question here. Who are the new IRA? Uh, well, the new IRA were formed just over 10 years ago. It's an amalgamation of um, different dissident, violent different, uh, dissident Republican groups, uh, and they've come together um, for a, a new push uh, against uh, the security forces, the security services, um, primarily in Northern Ireland, but they operate, of course, on um, in both North and South of um, Ireland. Uh, they are particularly uh, concentrated in uh, different parts of uh, the north uh, and uh, Derry for example where the uh, statement of claiming responsibility for the shooting of uh, DCI Caldwell uh, was put out uh, that that unit has been particularly um, hard for the security services and police to to deal with uh, but they are also quite strong um, around the province in the west uh, and of course in Belfast so they are a a, a, um, a militant group uh, and they are dedicated, I suppose, to carrying on that uh, search for uh, a united Ireland um, by force of arms. So they, they in many ways see themselves as part of a, a long uh, tradition of physical force republicanism in Ireland, uh, stretching back over 100 years. Yes, but of course, we saw Sinn Féin, Michelle O'Neill coming out this week saying, this is an attack. This attack on DC Caldwell was a, an attack on the Good Friday Agreement. So they're wanting to put as much clear water as possible between Republican activity up to the Good Friday Agreement and what's happening now. Yes, absolutely. I mean, these uh, so-called dissident groups, um, the various ways that they are described, but clearly uh, there is a departure there from, from mainstream uh, Irish Republicanism in the sense of the provisional Republican movement uh, and Sinn Féin and there has been a departure over many years uh, over a disagreement to do with the uh, peace process and uh, particularly the Sinn Féin peace strategy that has been pursued since the 1990s which eventually saw the, the provisional IRA dump its arms uh, and call off its campaign. So um, they would see themselves as a, you know, as in some ways carrying forward uh, a torture or mantle um, for that um, that that uh, physical force republicanism, and 
And having said that, they do see themselves in complete contradistinction from Sinn Féin uh, because Sinn Féin have entered into political dialogue with unionism and with the British government. So they would be totally opposed to that. Yeah, so they would see, they would, you know, basically view Sinn Féin as traitors to the Republican cause from their their perspective. Uh, yeah, that's correct. I mean, that would be their reading of the situation. I think for, for experts and for, for people who look at this in detail, I mean, it's it, it's rather glib to say that they are a historical reenactment group um, that are armed. I mean, that's probably the best way to describe them to um, to, to people uh, generally, you know, um, if, if they are uninitiated into the uh, the um, the many twists and turns within that kind of strain of violent republicanism. And they have split, IRAs have split for uh, on a number of occasions over many years. So um, the the most recent version, the new IRA, it's no surprise that, that we have this group uh, peopled by individuals who believe that they are carrying on that struggle, that armed struggle. Um, but unfortunately, they, uh, the armed struggle that they see themselves carrying on has no strategic utility and has no meaning in the current political context because, of course, most people are against it. Now, there's actually a lot of confusion around this attack. Um, Aaron, we're, we're seeing reports that uh, the four people that are current, that are the most recent four men that were arrested and are being questioned in relation to this, uh, some of them are from a loyalist background or certainly not from a nationalist background. Um, does this surprise you? Uh, not at all. I mean, historically, I'm a primarily a historian, so I have written about the um, the intersection between the context, the contacts between Republicans and loyalists. Uh, in the context of the Troubles, um, which is primarily my, the focus of my research, but also the peace process, there has been a number of contacts uh, through individuals uh, and, and, and basically in pursuit of criminal interests. Uh, but a lot of that was subsumed under the, um, the, the bigger political uh, uh, sort of struggle um, in, in the North um, throughout the Troubles. And so it, it, it was easily buried under the, the, the bigger ideologies of, of republicanism and loyalism. But there, there is absolutely no doubt uh, in my mind that this is a continuation of that, that individuals within those groups pursuing criminal interests uh, are familiar with one another and do uh, rely upon one another uh, in order to, to pursue um, whether they have a political agenda or whatever it might be or a criminal enterprise. And there certainly have been allegations recently uh, that uh, the you know the, the the group ultimately responsible the new IRA does have contacts with with loyalists. Um, let's go back to why we think or why we understand that this was a, a new IRA uh, attack. Uh, that that this this typed message that appeared on a wall in the Craigan and Derry uh, signed by T O'Neill. That would seem to be very easy easily faked that you know why, why is that taken as gospel uh, you know right from the the off here we were hearing from the PSNI that they understood this to be an attack by the new IRA and, and when this when this message appeared this was taken as confirmation well uh, assessing this you know these sorts of claims it's it's difficult uh, statements of intent uh, like that um, you, you know generally speaking in the past have appeared relatively quickly um, because this is a some some part of a 
uh, a wider um, armed propaganda uh, campaign um, where the statement would have been prepared in advance and the attack would have happened and then the statement would have been released and it would have been almost simultaneous. Now, there has been a delay in the claiming of this, which would suggest that um, either uh, one scenario, that, that it wasn't directly commissioned by whatever is left of the leadership, and we must remember that the, the new IRA leadership uh, such as it was, was completely um, dismantled by the security services north and south of the border uh, up, up until uh, late last year. And so there, there were um, the mood music very much was that this group was no longer a serious threat. It is a persistent threat, um, but it is highly localized. And so these different um, groups, small groups of individuals uh, are rarely um, in the same place at the same time. So we, we, we must think of them as a network rather than as a, a hierarchy, you know, a, where they have a centralized leadership. But in the 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 manner in which the claims are posted, just I mean, obviously, traditionally, we would have been familiar here pre Good Friday Agreement when there'd be a provisional IRA attack. It would be, you know, one of our former colleagues here, Charlie Bird, would get would get a call and there'd be a number of key people who would know the code words and would would verify them. Uh, it could be verified very clearly immediately. Uh, is this is this the way in which this the, these is this a, tr- a traditional new way of claiming attacks these these messages posted on a wall? I mean, it's very interesting, really, because the Craigan area, you know, in in, in the state in in Derry, is um, intimately linked with one of the uh, squads, one of the groups, one of the you know nodes in that in that new IRA network so uh, geographically speaking I mean if if it was going to appear anywhere it would be in one of these um, sort of housing estates where they have engaged in activities against the police uh, and uh, and so immediately people can make the, their own minds up and in, in connecting the dots here uh, but again because we don't know if I mean that I should say that the PSNI have obviously reiterated that they believe this is a new IRA um, attack, and uh, and so there's nothing to suggest that otherwise. Having said that, they were a little bit slow in getting uh, that statement out, so it it does beg the question: um, was it commissioned centrally, or was it something that was undertaken locally um, in in the Ulm area? We just simply don't know. Um, but certainly, uh, getting that statement out, claiming it is something that terrorist groups the world over have a vested interest in doing. OK, OK, let's just pause for one minute. Um, OK, will you pick a, a number between one and 20 and we'll find out something you don't want to tell us? All right, I'll go with my uh, my magic word, my favourite word, with, uh, sorry, my favourite number, which is six. OK, number six is what political person or academic do you most admire? Oh, well, that's a very good question. Um, so what political person? My goodness. Um, I, well, I'd have to say that I've, I've met some politicians over the years and I probably the one person who comes across to me as uh, genuine and as a real towering figure in, in Irish politics um, is Garrett Fitzgerald. So I'm very, very impressed with your former Taoiseach because I met him in 2005 and and it was an abate, it's an abating memory for me because he was uh, such a genuine person and very interested in me. I was a student at the time and I'd come down to UCD for a, for an event and he sat beside me over a, a, a conference dinner. And uh, I, I had to do a, a double take. It was, uh, uh, f- first of all, I didn't think that 
someone of his stature would would engage in conversation with students. But of course, he was very, very um, powerfully um, interested in in um, research and academia and, and students. And um, and yeah, we had a, a very interesting conversation that night. Yeah, I, I would have interviewed him myself back in the day and uh, a very, very interesting man for sure. Um, OK, let's go back to um, the new IRA. Just in terms of like, is it is it something that's associated with a particular social class in Northern Ireland? Is it uh, like what kind of people are drawn towards these organisations? Well, I, I did mention the Craigan area of Derry. I mean, it is a deprived area. It's a marginalised area. And unfortunately, these armed groups, uh, ter- terrorist groups, paramilitary groups, call them what you will, they do feed off that um, disaffection. And, um, and and certainly they would f- that would be a happy hunting ground for them um, because they can play upon the, um, the, the, the thought process of a lot of young people who really have not had the life opportunities of more affluent areas and 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 they offer them a sense of belonging and in ireland and in northern ireland particularly in the context of the troubles and the most recent um many many years of of strife uh and disturbance it it gives younger people uh, role models in those communities it's just very very sad of course i mean much of my early uh, years in my in my late teens early 20s um i was sort of dedicated to try and challenge these role models in in loyalist areas where i i grew up and so to me there is no real difference the in in terms of the socioeconomic um areas um with the exception of course that they are framed in different political ways but i think that th- those armed groups they do compete um, for the attentions uh, of young people in the areas, and that's why it's perpetuated. And unfortunately, it's a persistent threat and something that we should take very seriously. So not only uh, something that can be addressed through arrest um, or attrition, but but through um, you know addressing those socioeconomic problems, because only by offering an alternative, um, a, you know, a, a legal and, and lawful alternative, can can these groups be made irrelevant. And ultimately, that's that's uh, what you know, what those involved politically, locally in some of the, the areas where the new IRA is strong are trying to do. Looking at the the, the the attacks, and they're not very regular, you know, they they you know, the 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 murders in particular of um that have been linked to the new IRA. So we go back to um twenty eleven, PC Ronan Carr, the prison officers, uh, David Black in twenty twelve, Adrian Ismay twenty sixteen, and then of course that most recent um horrific killing of, of uh, Lyra McKee. What impact did those attacks have on, if we could tell, on the recruitment to these or to that organisation, particularly to dissident organisations generally? I'm, there was such revulsion generally, uh, particularly I'm thinking about the late Lyra McKee murder. What, did, did, that, did that slow them down or did it actually, you know, put them, drive more people towards them? Well, I think if we can talk about the uh, the murder of uh, Lear McKee, who was a very dear friend of mine. Um, I would say that the political context after in the aftermath of the death turned a lot of people against these groups again. And there was a there was a moment uh, which unfortunately came to pass where they they really could have been challenged more politically on the ground, and they weren't. Why and not? So why, they why regenerated. Um, I think that that really that those who were in a position to challenge them politically knew that they had an Achilles heel. So in one sense, 
if we think about Sinn Féin uh, and, um, and their peace strategy and the buy-in of the peace process, it, it means reaching out the hand of friendship across that divide, but it also means, uh, you know, honouring their, um, the, the people that they see as belonging to their movement um, who were killed in the Troubles. And by um, constantly remembering that uh, in, a, in a way that where they try to legitimise it, they risked, um, you, you know, coming into conflict with those groups who said, well, if you are, if you are paying homage to, to the deaths of some of these people, we were in the IRA, we are the new IRA, so therefore you don't have an argument. So it's very difficult, I think, for them to come at it from, from a political point of view. But I do believe that, that there was an onus there, and there still is, really, to, to challenge this um, face-to-face, only through dialogue and uh, confronting people and, and their beliefs. But, you know, that, that is difficult uh, because, because of the nature of, of the conflict and the persistence of, of memory and the persistence of what happened in the past. Have we any sense, though, of the numbers of people involved? Are there really comparatively very, very small numbers that are, you know, can cause obviously, you know, horrific uh, tragedy? But are we dealing with a very small number of people on the ground in reality? Uh, absolutely. We're, we're dealing with very, very small numbers. And um, the number of arrests simply of, of leading figures over the, the years, you, you know, has has put the group out of commission at times but i think that the, because it has that ability to regenerate and become uh, a recurring problem uh, and headache um, i think that, that that says something really about the the willing recruits that they have in some areas that they're able to tap into that they're able to radicalize young people and so even if it's small numbers it's still something that will repeatedly uh, become uh, a, a problem. But when we say small numbers, are we talking dozens, scores, hundreds? Like, what, have we any sense of, of what number we're talking about there? It's difficult to try and work out how many people we're talking about. But but really, if we look at the uh, the big paramilitary campaigns of the, the Northern Ireland Troubles, even there, there were small numbers of people involved. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we're, we're really talking you know, a bunch of people in a room. We're talking very, very small numbers, but the supporters of those who actually carry out some of these uh, attacks, you know, could be larger. So we could be talking uh, dozens, scores, maybe hundreds, uh, depending on on how you you measure that. Um, Okay, I want to talk about loyalist uh, parliamentaries briefly, but before I do that, I want to throw another random question your way. Give us another number there. Uh, Twelve. Twelve. Is there anyone in history that you wish was still around today? Oh my goodness, yes. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, the late journalist, uh, liberal commentator. I, I believe that you know we really badly miss his analysis of uh, international affairs, current affairs. For, for me, he was one of the, the best analysts of just about anything going on really? in the world. And, uh, and I, I, do, I do believe that um, you know his his understanding of uh, particularly some of the liberal regimes that we see taking center stage these days, you know that is badly badly missed. I don't think anyone can match that um, incisive um, ability to debate and understand simultaneously the the intricacies of some of these world affairs. Uh, yeah, so I think that I would say Christopher Hitchens. So Christopher Hitchens would have some controversial takes on things would you go along with all of those 
No, I think he was uh, he compartmentalized quite a lot of those, you know, religion, politics. Um, but I'm thinking mainly of his uh, his views on on the world, you know, in terms of world politics and. Okay. Okay. Uh, loyalist dissidents. Like, to what degree are they mirror images of what's going on in the Republican side, or or? It... Or is it driven? I think from what you were saying, or is it driven by similar similar forces? That's a great question, and I do think that there is a shared uh, opposition to the Good Friday Agreement, to the peace process generally, and but that works itself out in different ways, and uh, and so you know we we have to be careful about. Um, you know, stating them as in a, in a security sense, they are treated differently in Northern Ireland. So dissident Republicans are seen as a national security threat. Uh, with with loyalist paramilitaries, they're an irritant, and they're probably more of a danger to their own communities than they are to you know the the British or Irish states um, or Northern Ireland stability generally. Having said that, there was a point there in twenty twenty one when they looked like these dissident groups were coming and the loyalists say were coming together uh, to um, to oppose the protocol engage in violent opposition to uh, the Northern Ireland Protocol that has come to pass um, but that doesn't mean to say that, that they won't continue to be a, a problem they are almost certainly a, a problem for the for example the um, Northern Ireland Paramilitary Crime Task Force they're engaging in a lot of similar activity uh, you know, to the dissidents, they're engaged in criminality of all kinds, and they have a political agenda as well. So at times, there is a little bit of, um, <clears throat> there is a little bit of uh, re- regeneration, and so they, but primarily that manifests itself in civil disturbances and protest action, rather than um, what we're attacks, seeing yeah. in the new IRA. In relation to that, and I'll, I'll leave it at this, then, like on both for both the um, Republican and Loyalist uh, dissident groups. How much of it is really about the flag, and how much of it is really just common regard and criminality, and the flag being used as cover for that? Well, I think it's a bit of both, and uh, but it depends. It depends on the on the group that we're talking about. I think the new IRA uh, is not just a political orientated uh, entity a phenomenon. It, it's tied to drug gangs uh, in other parts of Ireland. Uh, and they engage in criminality, and I think what we're seeing here is a uh, what what academics would call a dark network. That's a something that's illegal, um, but covert. It's 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 happening in a network form behind the scenes. So it's very difficult to say, well, this group's dedicated simply just to achieving its political goals. But we we attach uh, when we when we talk about them as a, a new IRA, for example, or um, we we analyze some of the attacks that have taken place. Whether that's academics or the media, we we try to fit them into a political context, and that's what you know gives them um, you know fresh breath, if you like, to to remain relevant. Um, and probably the best uh, way to to talk about them is is to disaggregate that, so to, to pull it apart and actually identify the the different um, uh, means and methods that they use. And so people can judge for themselves. So they they do engage in criminality almost certainly on a daily basis. Sometimes that's for self-aggrandizement and financial gain. Other times it's for their so-called cause. Dr. Aaron Edwards, thank you so much. That is absolutely fascinating. Thanks, Gilly. And that was Dr. Aaron Edwards. 
subscribe now to get new episodes on your feed when they're published and get in touch if there's someone you'd like to hear featured. On Twitter, we're at RTE Upfront or send us a WhatsApp message to 087 677 1000. Talk to you next week.